How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Blind. I am your host, Chris Adams. You can make sure to follow us along, follow along with us, something like that. I don't know. It's Monday to a new week. Um, yeah, follow along with us on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff under uh, BTBN. And you can just keep up with all the giveaways, all that type of stuff. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, I would appreciate it if you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Hopefully you feel it deems a five-star rating. But uh, if not, I just want to hear feedback. Um, you guys have been sending us messages, um, comments, all that good stuff. Shares. It's really been great. It's helped this thing grow. And uh, every week it amazes me just how this thing takes off. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for everybody tuning in. It's uh, the day after the 4th, man. It's, uh, well, I guess not. It's Monday, and the 4th was Saturday. But the day after the holiday weekend. And uh, it was a fun one. Hopefully you and yours had a good 4th of July, celebrating a little America, getting out on the lake, drinking some beers, watching some fireworks. You know, that good stuff that uh, people write songs about. So, uh it was a good time for us, man. I really enjoyed it, and I'm ready to get back to it. Anyways, today I have uh, Ryan Doring on, and he is the owner, founder of CPR Custom Calls. And he and I have been chatting back and forth about this podcast for a while, and I've been watching his work and has it as it grows, and just reached out to him and finally convinced him to come on here and talk about uh talk about making some calls. I'm not exactly sure what year he started turning calls. I feel like it's within the last two years. So he's another new guy, but uh I don't know, man. I was talking to him about some of the work that he's done and ideas and uh you know inspiration that he's got from other call makers. And he's another guy that just went out there and he's gonna learn by doing. So I'm super uh Super interested to have him on and hear his perspective being a newer call maker and learning as he goes and going through some of the same trials and tribulations as we all have. So without any further ado, the great Ryan Doran. All right, brother. How are you doing today, Ryan? Doing awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. I know I've been uh, nagging at you for a while to get on here, so I'm glad that you finally decided to do it. Yeah, hard lineup uh, to come come after here. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of crazy good guys out there. Man, I that's one of the things that I really like about doing this is I get guys from their first year of competition calling to you know some of the best that have ever done it to guys that have won every call making title to guys that have just been doing it six months or so. So it's it's a really interesting mix of people to have on here for sure. Yeah. It's, been definitely interesting as a, like a listener too you know hearing all the especially new guys so but man i i enjoy watching the new guys it's fun because i had guys like brad and uh you know just other different guys freaking um god i don't know i haven't even looked i try to i never do research or prepare anything i just kind of go with the uh conversations as it happens but just you know well, hell, Brad alone, man, he is taking way off, even from when we talked. Freaking Colton has taken way the heck off from when we talked. And that's just a 
three months ago, man. It's kind of crazy, and it's fun to watch. And I find myself following along more with the guys that I've talked to than uh, I did beforehand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just having a couple of those guys there, I mean, obviously I knew about about Brad, but um, yeah, like Colton, just kind of following his stuff more. He does some crazy cool stuff, so. Yeah, dude, it's, uh, and when I say Brad, I mean Brad Eldridge, and, uh, okay, cool, (laughs) I was like, man, he is, uh, you know, because Sample's on here, but he was way bigger, longer before I ever started messing around (laughs) with any of this nonsense. Right. But, uh, it's been fun, man, it's been a good one, did you have a good fourth? I did, we went out camping, and it was hot, and (laughs) so, went to the lake, and it was a good time, you? Dude, it was unbelievably. I think today in Missouri it's like ninety nine, and Yuck. I got out and mowed on my day off. And uh, it's too hot to be in the shop because you start getting that sweat going, and everything oh, yeah. sticks to you. And then you're wearing <laughs> a layer of freaking wood shavings, and it doesn't matter what kind of air system you got going on. It just sticks. <laughs> yeah, I actually turn in jeans and long sleeve shirt just because I had a when I first started I had a bad reaction to purple art so now I'm like nervous with everything I turn especially like rosewoods yeah that's what I was going to say man that's one of those weird ones that people have weird reactions with rosewoods cocobolo is the, the pretty common one I don't have any kind of breakout issues with it but it does make my eyes watery, and I start sneezing a little bit more if I'm messing around with it. But I know people that have like been sent to the hospital for freaking Coca-Cola. Yeah, that's I had from the Purple Heart. It was just my hands itched like crazy, blisters like all over. Couldn't even move my hands because they were so swollen. It was bad. You got so. blisters from it? Yeah, it was it was nasty stuff. Dude, was that the so, first time you'd ever messed with it? With that, yeah. <laughs> so And it weird. lasted for like two weeks, so. No kidding. Well, I know yeah. like with certain chemicals, I used to work at 3M, and we used to use different solvents for cleaning and stuff like that. And uh, we'd use this chemical, it's been so many years and so many beers ago that I can't remember the name <laughs> of it, but it evaporated. And it was one of those that it evaporated cold, so you'd spray somebody with it. Like, we'd mess with each other all the time. Spray each other in the back of the leg or something like that, or make it look like you peed your pants. And it would evaporate cold, but it would take like five seconds for you to realize it. And you'd look down, and you're like, oh, you guys freaking suck, man. Who did that? And uh, one of my buddies who was pretty smart was like, you know that you have a limit in your body for solvents, right? So... The more that your your body absorbs, like once you hit your limit of that, it becomes toxic. And I'm sure there's all sorts of people who are way smarter than me are like, "You're an idiot. That's not how it works." But yeah, <laughs> once sounds right. Yeah, uh. once you hit that cap of stuff, it can become toxic. And I think that the certain type of chemicals and oils in the woods are similar. So like, if you have small reactions to rosewood, if you keep messing with it, I think it can get worse over time. Yeah, I completely stopped with Purple Heart. I I turned Coca Bowl and you know I don't really have any issues with that. But like I said, I wear long sleeve shirts and 
pants and gloves, like plastic or whatever neoprene gloves or whatever they're called. Dang, man. Well, what's the, uh, what is your, like, do you wear a full face shield with a respirator or do you have, like, air, an airbag system or anything? <laughs> I got, yeah, just a face shield and then just a regular respirator. So it's, and I don't have any kind of air conditioning or anything. I'm just in my garage. So, <laughs> dude, you're one of you're one of many. I am sitting out in the garage at the uh, workbench right now, just sweating, doing this thing, and I'm literally not moving. Right, just an awesome coating of sweat. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's uh, it's weird. I actually started. I don't know if you listened to Josh Raggio's episode with me, but I did start messing around with the shop vac while I was turning. And yeah. it's super uncomfortable at first, but for big non-finesse stuff, like it, oh, dude, it keeps it so much cleaner. Like, I'll give them that. It keeps it a lot cleaner, but I don't trust myself enough to, like, do the finesse cuts. You All know right. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That would be a little tricky trying to get into the, <laughs> doing all the little detail work. Yeah. Well, especially with the the hip on mine, if you look at it, I can't tell you how many blanks that I've ruined where it's like 95% of the way done. And I'm like, man, I need to narrow this up just a little bit before it starts to flare out again on my uh, barrels. Yep. And I've gone, gone to you know take just a little bit more out and it's past, like it's, it's wider than the circle cutter on the carbide tip sure so i'll get lazy and it'll catch right on that freaking hip and the whole blank is just done at that point or you'll have a big <laughs> huge dig mark and i'm like of course you know i had to do just two more passes instead of just saying this one's good yeah yeah for sure try to get fancy with it and it blows up in your face i can't tell you how many times i've done it and it always seems like it's on a complicated build where there's inlays and tips and you're just, you know, an expensive blank and you just have to throw it in the trash and be pissed off. Yeah, I don't know how you do your CA on that. That looks like it'd be a pain with that edge there, but... On just... the... Oh, right there on that huge flare? Yep. It's not bad, but there's definitely times where I've sanded and got everything cleaned up and like i'll always stop and try to clean everything off and uh hit it with a you know uh microfiber or whatever before i do any kind of polishing and i'll notice that it's a little thin right there and i'll go back and i'll hit that area you know the whole thing over again but focus mainly on that curvature but uh i don't know it's a it was a learning process i freaking hate ca i always end up covered in crap and Paper towels stuck to my fingers, but you know, it. I love the look of it when it's done. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful when it's all shined up. <laughs> can't, can't really beat it, you know what I mean? But yeah, I uh, I don't know, man. It's one of those ones I've I looked at doing a massy finish before. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I've heard of it, I've just never, I don't really even know <laughs> what's involved. Okay, so. There's probably a lot of call makers that have been doing this for a long time who are going to comment on there, so I hope they do. I've never messed with the Massey finish, but it's where you use an evaporator, like a, a solvent that evaporates, 
and you okay. take the the uh, the CA and you put it on there and stuff evaporates off of it so you get like an even coating. I would have to research it again. I looked it up a long time ago on THO, but it uh it goes on pretty even and I think your work time is longer than, you know, that quarter second that you get with CA. Oh, sure. But it's just there's more to it and I think it's more of a headache to set it up. And like yeah. I said, there's probably a hundred people that have done it for a long time. Aaron Winger would be the one that would uh, give us probably the best yeah. information on it. Finish master, from what I hear. <sighs> yeah, if he uh, if he says it, man, I take it as gospel. <laughs> right. So, tell me about yourself. Where are you from, brother? Uh, so, I don't know, long story, I guess. <laughs> long story of where you're from. All right, I'll set back. <laughs> Or short story, your call. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Dad was in the military. We traveled all over. What branch? He was an Army Corps engineer. Nice, right on. So we were we lived in Panama. My brother was born there. Um, the country or the city? The country. All right, I'm not I meaning to interrupt. I'm just interested. I love the world travel. So no, it's totally fine. Um, Virginia. All this was before I was like, I don't know, 10. <laughs> so, lived a lot of places. Lived in Florida for the main majority of it. Father passed away. Mother remarried, moved up to Minnesota here. And I've been here since I was 13. So, almost becoming a true Minnesotan, I'd say. I would say but. so, bro. You've uh, <laughs> you've adopted the accent a little bit. <laughs> That's what I heard. That's what I heard. <laughs> I, uh, two years ago, my wife and I went down to where I was born, down in DeRitter, Louisiana, and uh, just to visit because I had never really been there. <clears throat> so, uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, they all, you know, pointed that out. <laughs> Minnesota accent, Fargo, a. Fargo, eh? Uh, it's funny, man. When I, you know, being here from Missouri, I have, I pick up a lot on accents. Like, I'll, I'll take little bits and pieces from it. So, when I first moved down to Mississippi on the Gulf Coast, people ask me, they're like, where the hell are you from? I'm like, I'm from Missouri. And they're like, I thought you were way up by, like, Minnesota or Canada, you know, that type of thing. And then I lived down there for, like, a year and I came back home, and my mom is like, where did you pick up that southern twang freaking accent? <laughs> you talking like a freaking Cajun. And you just get used to it, you know? Right. You don't even notice them. Yeah, you're talking like everybody else talks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I was just having a talk with my girlfriend about it, because her dad's from Minnesota. And I was like, I don't remember what we were talking about. Just kind of the accent. And I over-enunciated, you know, like... Uh, caricatured the accent just joking around and she's like my dad hates that so much he gets so mad because nobody says minnesota like that and i was like yes they do <laughs> i've heard people do it before minnesota minnesota <laughs> so you move up there and um you, is that where you got into hunting at or were you doing it before nope I didn't start hunting. I'm like the greenest of the green you guys you've had on here. So I didn't get started hunting until about four years ago <laughs> at all. Any type of hunting. I always played, you know, football, basketball, 
you know, sports or whatever. So I kept pestering one of my buddies and I was like, dude, you got to, I want to go out. I want to, I want to go out hunting, you know? And, uh, finally he let me cause you know, duck hunting and secretive and all that trying to break in to getting people with it, you know, but, uh, so it pestered him and finally he took me out and the first, the first hunt, it was just like, yep, this is it. This is awesome. <laughs> you know, so. That seems, to, so did you have a good first hunt? It was average at best, I'd say. <laughs> oh, that's better than a lot of them, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, it was everything, man. It was like, you know, you always see the sunrise pictures and all that stuff. It was, it was getting up early. It was going out, throwing the deeks out. It was, you know, just the whole thing. Not so much just killing birds, but just the whole experience. Well, and see, that's really, it's fun because it, when I take a new guy, somebody who's new that I've tried to get to go hunting, because, you know, you'll have those guys that hit you up, hey, take me hunting, take me hunting, take me hunting. And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. And they've gone before with their dad or grandpa or something like that. But I've had really close buddies that uh, I grew up with, and I'm like, dude, you got to try this. Like, you got to get out here and try it because it's fun. And I've told this story on other podcasts of uh, how my best friend's older brother really wanted to go for a long time. He started getting really interested in it in about May. And all summer long, that's all he could talk about. He was going out and scouting every every park, you know, that you could and <laughs> sending me pictures all the time, updates about geese on the freaking park. And... Uh, we finally took him out and we went teal hunting and we had one of the, still to this day the most ridiculous teal hunts I've ever been on and you know we shot that limit in a couple minutes and uh, I told him I was like dude this does not happen like you're gonna have a bunch of really really bad hunts my first hunt I, I shot two ducks you know, a, a hen and a Drake Mallard, and right. I was hooked at that point. I was like, "You're very spoiled right now with how this is." Yeah, I don't think I've had a hunt like that yet. So, <laughs> what part of it'll come? What part of Minnesota are you in? I'm just out of uh, a little north of the city, so like Minneapolis, about 30, 40 minutes. Oh, dang, man! Away. You're in goose paradise. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, it's good. Do you, it's, uh, do you hunt I don't hunt fields, though, so. Do you, you say you don't, I'm sorry, do you say you don't hunt honker, or fields? Fields, yep. Yeah. I just, I don't have the gear, I don't have, you know, I haven't got around to asking for permission and all that. I've got all my money tied up in water decoys, so. <laughs> okay, so this podcast isn't sponsored by any specific brand but you can get yourself like 10 to 20 dozen silhouettes like dive bomb big owls anything like that for like less than 500 bucks and you can go out and you can kill freaking big honkers with that type of spread yeah i mean i've looked into those and i it just goes to you know get on because the majority is obviously you know private land we have a lot of public land here but it's not it's all you know wetlands or you know lakes so 
that's the majority where I hunt. I don't really hunt private much at all. Yeah, you're going to have a, a hard time shooting honkers over the public wetlands. I think I've had a, probably under five really good public honker hunts. But, uh, man, there's got to be guys out there goose hunting. If you Are you a goose hunter or mainly a duck hunter? Anything that comes in is good. I well, enjoy like, both. If you're gonna go out and scout, what's your what's your? Are you going out looking for a duck hunt mostly? Yeah, I'd say I'm looking for a duck hunt. I'll, we have our early early season, you know, goose season or whatever that starts. I think September first or something, right around there, and that'll tide me over until duck season. But here's you hunting over water there's usually not much not much action i got you man uh what city are you in specifically i'm in ramsey ramsey i'm looking i always try to pull up the map so i can know where the heck people are talking about so are you to the east of like st cloud yep okay yep southeast kind of southeast right on dude i'm pretty sure have you ever hunted you need to hit up joe heinz and uh try to get a goose hunt with him because that dude freaking kills the shit out of geese and uh you're right in i would kill to live up in that area aside from having to mess with leasing the the private ground because that's always a headache yeah but uh yeah man if you if you ever want to get into goose hunting that is the place to go there are so many good guys up there and uh I started off as a duck hunter, but man, I would almost rather kill honkers every day of the week. Oh, it's a blast when they're coming in. Like, it's it's awesome to see them. Just big, giant, <laughs> big, giant birds coming in. And they're fun to call at, too. That's the thing. It's You get a lot of action with them calling. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things about them is just the, the interaction, trying to figure them out because they're they're so finicky you know there's a lot of guys will hunt the small geese over here in the central flyway towards you know the, the lower end because we're starting to get a lot more small geese over in like kansas oklahoma and stuff like that but big freaking big old honkers man that there's nothing better than when you get you know a dozen two dozen locked up and ready to go and they're interacting you hit them with a call they call back it's just a lot of fun and yeah. uh man it's almost like freaking having three or four dozen mallards circling yeah yeah i don't know i'll take both either one would work for me <laughs> <laughs> right on so you get out you get your buddy to take you hunting was that uh was that who you still hunt with today yeah, on occasion. Um, just schedule-wise, it ends up being kind of where I'm either taking my son out or I'm kind of going alone, you know. So I've made a decision this year, especially, you know, just to kind of get out and hunt with a lot more guys, you know, just instead of going it solo because I feel like I'm missing out a little bit there. So... Well, I, I feel like I really love solo hunting, you know, from time to time. But like you said, it it's a camaraderie type thing because if birds aren't working and you're hanging out and BSing with 
with your buddies and like you said you took your son out which is even better um just being out there and having that interaction in the blind that's the biggest draw to me over uh like deer hunting and stuff like that where you have to stay still and be quiet so you don't spook stuff away with waterfowl hunting is you can cut up and you know you can joke back and forth with everybody yeah i mean that is fun and that's you know listening to your other stuff right a lot of guys talk about that and that's you know that's another draw to the sport i guess you could say versus other things like you mentioned so um yeah just kind of made a decision to kind of go that route this year and try to involve myself more with a more group of people and kind of reach out to guys and say hey i want to hunt <laughs> you want to go out with me or whatever you know so it's it's really tough man i feel like that's one of the hardest things to get into um is getting that that group of guys you know we have about five or six guys that we hunt with pretty routinely and uh it might be only three out of the five or six that are hunting with us at any given time and we'll rotate other you know different guys into the group every now and then but we have our little little core group but it took a long time to get that little core group it was a lot of times of uh you know the the text message or the facebook freaking message of hey man are we going hunting tomorrow or not no no i don't want to go i gotta go do this or do that and then you're stuck looking for somebody else or uh you know finding a new group so i can know that's super tough yeah and that's where i get to the point i'm just gonna go (laughs) you know what i mean so 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 i'll just go by myself (laughs) yeah man are you uh are you hunting like marshes and stuff like that up there on water are you hunting big lakes mostly mostly the smaller stuff i run a beaver tail um stealth like a 2000 the big 12 foot one so i just have a usually i paddle out and carry about a couple dozen decoys and that's it you know i don't really have i have a blind on it but um, i just had a boat sold it because i wanted to get in the smaller pockets of areas it's just because it's usually it's a lot less uh, crowded. Do you so, guys have like a lot of public water out there, or is it is there super heavy pressure with duck hunting? I wouldn't say there's a ton, but there's compared to like down south. Like I've seen videos of you guys down there. It's just insane, you know. Um, I, it's definitely not like that but there is pressure especially along like there's a refuge that i hunt that's not too far away and um yeah you'll be there two three hours early and there'll be five six seven trucks already there so um, <laughs> is it a blind draw yeah. system nope it's whoever's first in the morning so it's open to whoever wants to go get up the earliest do, we'll grab do, you a guys, spot. do you guys have like a time that you're allowed to be on the water not that i know of <laughs> oh dang so if you wanted to get up get out there at midnight and sleep in the freaking boat you could yeah. do it oh yeah yes i think it's as long as it's not uh before you know the opener but after the season starts you can go out there anytime dang have you ever pulled an all-nighter like that 
opening weekend a couple years ago i went out with another one of my buddies who's um he actually he's friends with you know i don't know if you know jake Dell if you ever heard of him but mm-hmm. anyways he runs a guide service on the side and whatever but um he uh we went out west which is west for us is like western minnesota kind of close to the border of the dakotas there yeah and uh yeah that was an all-nighter i think we left my son and i left at like you know nine nine o'clock at night the day before and it was like a two-hour drive got out there 11 got to where we were supposed to be at there was already two other groups there so <laughs> it was we stayed up all night that night and it was actually kind of a bust which actually really sucked because <laughs> <laughs> we were up for 20 hours or something you know with working and all that so well that but. that same thing happened to us man it was like my second year hunting and we had our middle zone i'm in the southern zone of missouri and middle zone opens like three weeks beforehand and you know i had done just a little bit of reading knowing that you could go up there as long as you were 200 yards away from somebody else you know up on this lake that we were hunting it was kind of fair game and uh we got up there and the permanent blinds have to have for the season have to have like a sign and stuff up in front of them and uh we got up there we pulled an all-nighter i talked all my buddies into it who none of which hunt anymore at all <laughs> and i uh i talked all my buddies into going up there and let's show up early let's get our spot it's the opener so we get set up and uh drive up there and we kind of pick our spot based off google maps we didn't know anything we were green as all hell and uh just kind of looked good on the map right for what i thought looked good i've never hunted anywhere near there now that i know but uh we set up there, got up there at midnight, picked out our spot, you know, kind of started messing around with some logs and doing different stuff on that and uh, trying to work up a small blind on this freaking mud flat, which, like I said, green is all hell. Now I would never mess around with anything like that again. And uh, 4.30 rolls up, and the guy, we have like five or six guys roll up, and they're like, hey, man, this is actually our blind location. I was like, what blind dude we built this blind and they're like well no this is our this is our spot and i was like i thought you had to have a sign up for it well the water was down like a hundred yards and they actually had a posted sign way 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 back and uh yeah so we conceded because it was their location and uh we moved down like three or four hundred yards on this arm of the lake and watch them shoot birds in this little slough that we'd been <laughs> working on all morning long. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of a, a kick in the nuts, but it was a learning experience <laughs> for sure, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, funny thing about, you know, it's just hit or miss each year. You know, you never know what you're going to get. You got, like, the year before I went out with them out there, I got it. You know, we got a text message like 20 minutes after shooting time. It's like a six man limit of teal. So it's just, you know, then the next year when I'm there, it's, there's nothing. <laughs> so it's just, 
birds are finicky. Well, especially with teal, man. I, you know, that one day that we had that really good banger of a hunt, the temperature wasn't supposed to be any kind of different. Anything, you know, this spot should be good for tomorrow type of thing. You know, at least that's what I was thinking of off of my two or three years of duck hunting experience at that time. And uh, I was like, so I call up everybody. I was like, dude, we could stack a 10-man limit of freaking birds up in 20 minutes. You know, like, this place is ridiculous. We get out there, and we hunt the next morning. We make sure we show up at 2 a.m. Shooting time's not till 6.50 or some nonsense like that. And I had everybody in the right position. Everything set up perfect. And I think we saw, like, five birds because the teal had pushed, pushed on south because that's what teal do during the early season. So I looked like a big idiot, and I was like, I swear, guys, they were here yesterday. <laughs> oh, jeez. And what makes it fun, right? Oh, it's, it definitely, it's a humbling experience, you know? Yep. <laughs> so exactly. Tell me about how you get into call making, man. Uh, well, just kind of saw something, you know, I, uh, you know, when I first got into hunting here, obviously not too long ago, um, didn't really know much about calls, what calls to get, was trying them out. Buddy's like, oh, you got to check out CNS, right? So yeah. Stelzner stuff right down the road here. Well, not that close, but anyways. Close compared to me, right? Right, exactly. Um, so, all right, so, I, you know, we went to game fair, um, picked up one of his uh, goose calls and uh, just huge proponent for, you know, CNS. Like, the guy makes killer stuff. Started doing a little more research on it. Um, kind of fell into Call Nuts, the Facebook page, you know, and uh, just started seeing what people were putting out because i had no idea you know like cns was a small shot call if you want to you know <laughs> from originally what i thought so you know from echo or rnt comparatively you know but um so anyways just fell into seeing all these guys making calls did some research looked at you know like old school calls you know just the style and basically the art of it and just really got interested in it and i'm like just decided you know um i want to make a call for myself you know i want to be able to try to make something like this that i can use just thought it would be a cool kind of like a tradition thing you know where you can do something build it yourself and go out and use it and uh so i want a lathe <laughs> and uh you won was... like w-o-n won a lathe yep <laughs> where'd you win a lathe from good old waffle sites no joke dude that's freaking yeah. crazy yeah so <laughs> that made it easy and then to get into it initially or so i thought and then i realized how much actual money you need to invest to have all the stuff you need and you never have enough <laughs> <laughs> but, um so yeah i started turning like i had never i had woodworked you know a little bit like nothing major you know made like a planter box or something um 
but never used the lathe. Never, I didn't even know how to turn it on other than it was a big button. So, <laughs> um, you know, I got the lathe probably last May, and I was just taking pieces of pine and learning how to use the tools and stuff, and kind of went from there. Yeah. Kind of just kept. That that's what I find so interesting about you, brother, is because you're still so new, so young. I mean, one year is uh, it's definitely the growing pains of it. There's so many guys who start off messing with calls, and I feel like that year to two year time span is either the hey they're gonna keep doing this thing for a long time or they're gonna sell up shop. Yeah. And like I said, I was talking to you before this thing started. I love this the the risk that you're taking if you're light years ahead of me at one year you know uh, <laughs> there's well. no, no no you are there's so many guys that i've talked to that have doing been doing this thing a year under two years that are light years ahead of me at that point in time and you know maybe even now who knows but uh just the risk that you have uh taken on doing different builds and comp dude you've done some complicated stuff i didn't even start messing with inlays until this year and uh been doing it for freaking five and a half almost six years and i didn't even well, mess with an inlay until this year when you go on these you know you go on the call pages man it's it's insane you get you see all these guys doing this crazy stuff and i love checkering carving like all the old school style it's just awesome to me. Like, to me, that's like, I don't know, like I said, tradition, right? But when you see everybody just, like, you have a crap call if you don't have an inlay in it, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> if, you're, if you're not taking those risks, if you're not building a hunting call with a freaking inlay or some checkering or a little bit of carving or a panel with some scrimshaw on it, like, you're behind the game right now with how many right. guys that are doing crazy stuff. It's just, it's crazy. And so just, you know, watching everybody looking and seeing what other guys are doing and, you know, obviously not copying, but, you know, just saying, I, I like that. I want to try it my way, right? So it's just creativity. That's what I like about it. That's what I honestly fell in love with doing. It's just the creativity of it that it lets you have. Well, and that's another important aspect of what you're talking about with like copying and stuff like that, um, where guys get worried about, you know, who's doing what, who's doing this, I had this idea, they had that idea. The way that I was talking to Josh about was it's, it's an inspiration. Like, if I see, you know, somebody go on there and they use this material and this combination and this set... I'm like, dude, I want to go out there and try to figure something out because it's getting my brain, you know, inspired. I don't want to go out there and right. build the exact same call that they did. I just, it's getting me inspired versus the rat, the, the plain insert with, you know, just a generic, you know, just a generic freaking wood call, which those are always classic, but I don't know. Like you said, it's just an outlet for artwork. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was part of it too that wanted me to get you know push me to get started. It's just it's just the artwork of it, 
you know, and obviously the sound is super more, the most important thing out of a call, but adding that on top, you know, it's just like icing on the cake that you're able to be creative with this stuff. Did so. you, did you start with a flat jig? Yep. I still have a flat jig. <laughs> you don't do any, you don't have your own jig yet? Not yet. I, uh, with the call nuts, the contest or whatever, I was going to see where I placed and then decide on if I want to use that call for a jig or not. So it's, uh, I did all right. It was, I think I took like 31st out of the 78. So yeah, dude, um, I looked at it right before we started. That was what I was trying to do as I was setting everything up was kind of look and I looked for yours yours specifically and uh it was pretty cool man you did you did really good against a bunch of crazy guys I didn't end up doing one and I had Ron Davis tell me that I needed to do one and called me out here for challenging me but I just been <laughs> so freaking busy and that's just an excuse honestly at the end of the day but uh you did really good man and uh <laughs> thanks I mean for turning for freaking a year yeah, I mean, I'm happy with it. Obviously, I, there's you always want to get better and do better, and so that's kind of what pushes you. But I didn't, you know, I was surprised at all the other guys that, you know, like I said, were, were big name, good, awesome call makers that, you know, were in different spots, whatever. So, like Rusty Heron, <laughs> 19th out of, never, never, never makes a, a duck call there. Oh, yeah, and that's good old Rusty for you. He acts like yeah. he can't blow a freaking duck call, but he blows the piss out of the call. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's just a good old goofball, man. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you feel like that has – do you feel like it validated your tone board, your making skills? Um, I don't know. I think it – I was – I don't know. I didn't know what it, I was going to expect here. I, I know I had a decent one, but I didn't – I really don't know how to put it into words. I was happy and disappointed at the same time, if that makes sense. No, dude, um, it makes perfect sense. And for people who don't know, we're like 35, 36 minutes into this thing. It came out like 40 minutes ago, the results. So right. it's very, very fresh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I'm happy where I was. I'm glad I wasn't at last place because after thinking, you know, you put – you know, you submit the call or whatever, and you got Mingo running the thing, and he could make a pile of crap sound amazing. So, you know, you never know what you're going to get. But then I start thinking, well, wait a minute. This could really backfire pretty freaking bad here, you know. But well, That's what I was talking about um, with Teddy for the Easton one where um, Seth was going through and reviewing all those calls for the call maker competition that stump puts on and i was like it was so cool to see that feedback but you just hope that your call isn't the one that he picks up and he's like oh god this thing this thing yeah. needs towards some work like just the exactly. horrifying like all right buddy i get it move on move on right. type thing and it is going to be awesome to get some of that feedback from mingle you know saying exactly what he liked what he didn't like because that's you know he's like a world champion caller here so it's from a schmuck that's only been turning for about a year it's that's pretty awesome 
awesome feedback so well and it was a super cool idea for a competition man just because everything is canceled this year every big call making event every competition caller event aside from like two or three that have potential to still happen so it's a really cool idea to put it on because we did a uh a, a btbn caller of the year award back in like 2017 and it was me meredith and a couple other guys that uh we're just looking at calls, but we didn't get a call from every single person to run. Uh-huh. And it was uh, more on based on just different calls that guys had and they had ran before. I, I went out and, like, I think Seth was a judge, too, and he's ran every single freaking call under the sun, it seems like. And uh, we tried to guesstimate, you know, an average and do look at different things that they've done, innovative you know, aside from just pure tone board, like, obviously, if you get a guy like, say you have a competition, you have a, a Brad Samples, a freaking Mike Stelsner, a John Cap, and stuff like that, like, we know the tone board's good, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's not in question <laughs> yeah. at this point, so now we're just looking at about the innovativeness and what they've done different and stuff like that, so obviously it sounds very important, but we know, you know, we know those are good when we're talking about the best of the year at that point. So we were just looking at different criteria, but uh, I really liked the concept of them like looking at everybody, it, it being an open and having that feedback and one judge running everything and uh, yeah. not just be his opinion, be voters' opinion. And that was super right. cool, man. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, it was a good, I enjoyed it and I, you know, it was, it was they kept hyping it up throughout the day here and throughout the last week and it, you know, built anticipation. So Sean Lynn really did an awesome job. Domingo did a fantastic job running 78 calls within like two days. So and he has to mail all those suckers back. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That'd be the worst part. Yeah, dude. And just hope that they don't disappear in the, in the mail and do all this kind of crazy stuff. But it, it's a very interesting competition. I hope that hopefully Corona and all that nonsense will level off before uh, any of – I can't even think of a single competition that's left this year for call makers. So we're going to have to put together something again just to keep people's creative juices going. But uh, it was a nice little reprieve, kind of like the online calling contest. Yeah, I've been kind of watching that too. Just you know, I'm not a competition caller by any means, so but it's still interesting to hear hear those guys run calls, man. It's it's crazy how good they are. <laughs> it, it inspires you to get out there and start messing around with stuff, man. That's uh, at least myself. That's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, well, call making in general has made me a ten times better caller than I was when I started, just because I. Had you know you're tuning it so you gotta you're blowing a call constantly and you know trying to hear the sound trying to get the sound and all that so but well you're a you're a flat jig guy like me i've been doing it you've listened to enough to know i do flat jig all the time still and uh i have to keep a couple other calls around when i'm tuning just to make sure that i'm even in the same ballpark that I want to be, because if you start listening to your own 
tone because what you're doing every time you flat jig is you're coming up with a brand new tone board every right. single time no matter how close you think that you're getting to being repeatable there's way too many variables you're coming up with a new tone board every single time and i'll get messing with like on saturdays or sundays or something like that i'll try to do all my turning you know different days through the week and then like on a saturday or sunday where i don't have anything else to do if i don't have plans with the kids or any kind of crazy stuff i'll start tuning calls and working on those tone boards and i'll get like three or four calls in sometimes and i'm like okay this sounds really good but i'm comparing it to my other call let me go pick up something else that i have sitting on the shelf from another call maker just to make sure that i'm actually you know in the not all of them are completely jacked you know what i'm saying yeah i i keep about like you said about four calls here um a few of them are the cns the different versions of cns and then i got one of yours and then one of will shelley's and um chris alexander's calls i all put them up to see the different tones and all that and see what i like <laughs> what which way i'm trying to go with it are you starting to feel pretty comfortable with that flat jig? It's still hit and miss. Like, I still got to look at my notes and be like, all right, what do I do to make this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, my brain doesn't always function the best, so <laughs> I have to look at my notes again. Well, that's good, though, that, sure. you're, that you're keeping extremely detailed because I think that's the difference that separates you is uh, when you can start diagnosing your own tone board and figuring out where you need to take material off to get the sound that you want. Yeah. Because there's no worse feeling in the world than uh, making a tone board, slapping a reed in there, and blowing it and be like, holy crap, this thing rips. But how the hell (laughs) did I I do? Yeah, how the (laughs) hell did I get here and how can I repeat this? Like, that's that's a nightmare. Yeah. Or when you do it the same way that you thought you did last time and it it's complete crap yeah you know? nowhere near <laughs> <laughs> so are yeah. you using a no. are you using a 335 or a 350 i started with the 35 and then i just got a 350 here like in the last week that i've been giving a go i kind of like that a little better just because of the more meat it gives yeah. you that's that's what I found, man. I uh, I flat jigged for three years off of three three five, and I sold up shop. It ended up being like eleven or twelve months, and I got back into it. And uh, I was looking at Wade's website over at Webfoot, and all he had available at the time was a three five. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna try this sucker because more meat on the tone board. You're gonna start with a deeper tone to begin with. Like I like this concept and. I don't know. I need to get another three three five just to get back into playing around with it. Cause I had a guy send me an old one off of a three three five to uh, refinish and do all this, you know, different type of stuff with. Just clean it up because it was like four years old at that point. And sure. I I blew it and I was like, dude, <laughs> this this thing runs. Like I need to get me another three three five just to mess with it again. Just send that one in. Get ejected, and then send them back the call. Well, what what research have you done? Because that's another good thing for guys that are wanting to get their uh, their jigs made. What research have you done about the 
you know, the process to getting it jigged? Uh, well, you better have a pretty symmetric tone board as far as I know. Um, I haven't really looked into it too hard. Um, I just kind of read, you know, you, you go through Wade over there and just kind of read what he, the questions he wants you to answer and all that stuff. And, you know, um, as far as the process goes, I don't, I don't know. I'm still winging it, man. It's <laughs> no, no, I feel you. And that was one of the big things for me was like, I've had different customers. I have one buddy who he has, I don't know, like 20 of my calls from like 2015 up until this year. He has a, a few from each year. He's just super good dude. Always been a collector and, uh, consider him a friend at this point but he has a ton and he he had one that he picked out and he's like dude i want you to make a jig off of this one because i love the way that this thing calls and i've made i don't know 100 150 since then at that point i was like honestly i don't even remember how it runs anymore you know (laughs) i have an idea of how i set it up but i don't remember how it runs and i started looking at potentially getting a tone board made off of it and you like you said you have to have that symmetrical tone board you have to have a really really clean perfect tenon and that's uh-huh. my biggest hang up you know i can get it from 625 to 627 you know so where it fits and it's nice and even across but there might be a spot that it's 626 627 625 you know because cutting that 3 or 4 inches down to that perfect yeah. size and uh, reading on the website, I was from what I've you know read, it's like it can make such a drastic difference right. if it's not one hundred percent. And I sent a bunch of blanks off to uh, Channing to have him metal lathe me some you know perfect dowels, so at least I can work on those and have them sent off into a tone board. But that's my biggest hang up with just my wood lathe in the shop is. I can get them really close, but it's kind of like putting, you know, getting everything as close as you can to give yourself a better chance at having a good one made and not have Wade kick it back. (laughs) Right. You don't want to waste his time or, you know, but, you know, we're, we're dealing with hand tools here, so we're not, it's never going to be, I mean, you got to be extremely good to be able to get it 625 on the nuts to hold through, you know, it's. Oh yeah, man. Do you use um? Do you use a five eighths wrench? No, I can sit there and I'll measure it with the caliper. Oh, so. bro. Okay, <laughs> so get you a five eighths wrench. And for anybody who's just starting to turn and hasn't figured this one out, you don't have to. A lot of guys will sharpen them down on one end and make a wrench into a turning tool. But I'll just get the wrench because the wrench will get you to like six three, six okay. three to six three five. And I just have a standard cobalt, you know, 5 eighths wrench that I picked up out of the toolbox. And that gets you super close. And then I'll take sandpaper and I'll, you know, I'll take it down to where it's a lot closer. And then I'll start calipering everything off. But at least that 5 eighths, I'll get to that point to where I know that it's at least under that point. It saved me a ton of time. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely... Because that's it takes me a decent amount of time because I'm you know turning it down and I, I prefer high speed steel over carbide so well, I like freak. to use 
<laughs> Dude, I love I love using the skew. I love feel the, the way it feels. It's just you have so much more control. It seems like. Do you have but, a uh, a sharpening like setup? I just free freehand the sharpening on my slow grinder. So oh my, it's, have you ever used carbide? <laughs> yeah, I have a set of three of the Rockler or whatever. You know, the round, the square, and the triangle one, whatever, the diamond one. But I'll use that, you know, when I'm cutting tenons or as far as, like, getting a straight, trying to face up an end, you know. I'll use the square one because that seems to work better for me than, like, a parting tool would. But usually I'm using the skew or a spindle gouge as much as possible. Well, and that's something, if you look at a lot of the guys that have been doing it for a long time, they prefer, like I know that uh, Bobby Hayes over at DLC, I've seen him talk about it before, he prefers the the HH, HSS tools, um, because if you if you can sharpen them right, they stay sharper longer, from, and they cut better from what I've heard, but dude, oh, I once can, I switched to carbide, I never went back. I can start off... If I use the skew, I can, my, I'll start sanding at like 220 or 320. It's just that fine of a cut over carbide where you're, you know, 180 maybe. But maybe I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> no, and see, that's another thing though, man. It's because, like you said, I got a lathe and I didn't know crap about lathes. I just knew that they could rip your freaking hand off if you weren't paying attention <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's all I knew about it. So it was all a learning process. And somebody could watch how I turn and be like, why the hell are you doing it that way? And I'm like, well, that's because I'm how I'm comfortable doing it. That's how I learned how to do it. Right. And uh, it's kind of like freaking Josh was talking about with his uh, shop vac for running cleanup. He freaking holds. I don't know if you've ever looked at his Instagram. I think he has a picture of there on there. But he holds a shop vac in that close hand right behind his cutter so it pulls it off and i've been doing that lately to where it you know i told you about it it keeps the shop cleaner but it's definitely a learning process of retraining your brain and your hands how to do that and feel comfortable oh for sure yeah i don't uh i don't think i could do it <laughs> i'm gripping like kung fu grip on the tools when i'm doing it so <laughs> it's it's so it's nerve-wracking i pay attention a lot more when i'm doing it and like i said i don't feel comfortable enough doing like finesse stuff but it's that whole comfortability factor of you know just your certain way of doing things man when i moved and reset up a shop it took me like four or five blown out freaking blanks to get the the turning height correct like, I went out and bought a 2x4, and, uh, you know, I adjusted the legs on my lathe and different stuff like that, and my bench was just a little bit short, and it was short from where I like it, or from where I was comfortable at, that muscle memory was at, and I actually shoved and cut a 2x4 under each side, and uh, was like, okay, this is still jacked up, and would have to twist the little lathe legs, and it probably sounds super jerry-rigged to everybody else you know but that's now i'm to a point where i'm comfortable with it but it took a lot of figuring it out 
and I was getting like catches and stuff, and I'm like, well, I'm just not comfortable. Like my elbow position is not right. Right. Where at my old shop, I measured it out and I built the bench at where my elbow height was, and I did all the measurements. So it's just it's just being comfortable in the shop. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I I battle mosquitoes and freaking. Ten below weather and <laughs> humid days in my garage, so it's you know gotta fight through it. Do you have a heater in the shop? No, I had a little space heater. I would turn on. <laughs> That's about it. Bro, I got so. one of those. I wanted to get a space heater because they work so much better, like the blower kind. Yep. But I didn't because I was afraid of all the dust particulates in the air, like catching fire. I have a. Um, one of those like gas not gas heaters like a lamp or anything like that but you know what i'm talking about you plug them into the wall they look like a radiator yeah yeah, yeah. i have one of those suckers and i'll turn that thing up full blast in the winter time which is a hell of a lot warmer than your guys's winter time and i'll get to the point where i'm sitting like or like i'm standing with it up against the back of my legs in the winter time and i'll be turning with like a hoodie on with my sleeves pulled up or uh I've even had points where the girlfriend's walked out and she's like, what are you doing? And I'll be straddling that sucker <laughs> just to get the heat on my core. But, uh, Seriously. Well, it's like Struggle right now, is real. Yes, it's like right now it's too hot to be really in the shop in the middle of the day. And uh, I'll have people, I'm like, well, why don't you just get a fan? And I was like, the last thing I want is dust blowing around while I'm trying to do this sucker. You know? right. Yeah, I, I usually go out in the morning. Early, early morning. Early morning or the middle of the night is when I seem to get the most of my stuff done. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't have time for the family. You know, you got to prioritize stuff. So. Was that a, a big transition, trying to figure out and balance turning and, like, keeping a family life going? Oh, it was huge. <laughs> huge transition. Because, you know, you get out there and... You know, all right, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go out there for like an hour and a half, two hours, right? Correct. It ends up being eight hours, and you have to be at work in forty-five minutes, and it's just you go in there, it's like a black hole, you know. It's you don't even realize how long you've been in there. Yeah, man, I got to the point, you know, just throw headphones on, listen to podcasts, music, whatever, here and there, and uh, I had to start telling, you know, the girlfriend, I'm like, hey this is my cutoff time like come tell me at this point and it took her a long time because she didn't want to bother me she's like oh you're out there doing what you like to do i don't want to bother you and i would look down at the phone or the watch or something i'm like it's an hour past when i told you to come get me and uh, she's like i just didn't want to bother you and now she's like hey it's it's time you said this is your time limit it's time yep. You know, because I'm like, get in here. Yeah, exactly. You turn it off and you're like, All right, I'll come back tomorrow but uh dude it's so important managing that uh that family shop work, all that balance. It I yeah. feel like and I feel ridiculous. It's almost like you have to treat it like it's a real business and you set hours, man. Like I have to schedule out between these podcasts and turning and family time it's like i have to schedule out my days of the week in accordance with luckily i just had happened to have the day off and uh but i have to i have to set it i'm like mondays i know i'm gonna try to hit a podcast tuesday i'm gonna work on calls wednesday i'm gonna spend with the kids 
you know, extra, that extra time that I'd be doing stuff. And then it's like, start the whole cycle over. Yeah. I, uh, every day it's three, three AM go work out in the shop till about six, then go to work. So it's, uh, gotta get up otherwise i don't have time to do it you know i'd rather i want everything right you want to have the family time you want to have the shop time exactly so the only way you can do it is if you don't sleep <laughs> yeah man you win that uh win that battle versus night what time you normally go to bed uh it's like nine o'clock I'm holy old, man. cow man well we're getting close <laughs> to that i didn't realize uh, yeah that's that's crazy uh I don't. I'll I, survive. I, she looks at me weird when I'm out in the garage at five thirty in the morning, on like a Saturday or Sunday on my off day. She'll be like, "What are you doing up already?" I'm like, "I get up at four thirty, five o'clock throughout the week. I'm not going to change my schedule. Now's the best time to work." Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, brother, what would you say is the most important thing that you've learned in this last year of turning? Well, it's just. I don't know. That'd be hard. Instead, it just never ends. (laughs) You can always get better. I mean, it's just, there's so much talent out there. And, you know, I remember when, you know, like, not like it was a long time ago, but when I first made the first call that actually made a sound, it was like the best day of my life. You know, not really, but it was a really good day, right? And now it's just like, well, how can I improve? How can I, you know, what can I do to make it, you know, better? Or, you know, just, you can always get better. You look at, you just look at everybody else and you just, I don't know, at least for me, I'm just like, wow, these guys are, you know, super talented. And I want to get on that level and whatever. So, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a crazy, it's just a crazy hobby. <laughs> it's just this thing that it just consumes you, you know. And, and it's the same with you know waterfowl hunting. It's the exact same thing, you know. Anything to do with waterfowl now is it's what my life is. So, and I love it. It's fantastic. But like so. I said in other episodes, you kind of have to be a madman, you know. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. If yeah. you like not having money, if you like not sleeping much, <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> the stuff for you. Well, brother, I love what you're doing. Like I said, I've we've been chatting back and forth for a couple months now about it, and I love your calls. I love the progression. I love the risk that you're taking and just going out there and doing it man i respect the hell out of guys who just go out there and try stuff and uh i'm excited to see where you come when you're at five years man yeah it's it's gonna be a long road but i thank you so much i really appreciate that uh means a lot you know all the guys like yourself who've been in it for a while and ups and downs and all that stuff and it's just it means a lot you know so absolutely brother you keep freaking grinding away i'm just another i'm just a hack out here in my garage (laughs) doing the same exact thing you are i've just been doing it a little bit longer man that's the only difference (laughs) well i appreciate that (laughs) we're all the same man and uh yeah i'll let you get off here and get the kiddos hugs and kisses for bed and let you get some sleep man yeah, appreciate that. Gonna, <laughs> wife's right. probably sleeping already, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. 
All right, brother. Well, you take care of yourself, man. Yeah, you too. All right, thank you. Yep, bye. All right, guys, Ryan Doring. Just uh, another... Another new call maker, man, that's he's doing really good. I, I've really enjoyed watching his stuff. Jump on his Instagram, Facebook, check out some of his stuff. It's super cool. Let it be an inspiration to guys who want to get into it. Maybe they've had why why would I do this? How what the hell do I know about woodworking? All that kind of nonsense. Throw it aside. Talk to your significant other. Make sure you have the okay to at least throw caution to the wind. And uh, let them know if it doesn't pan out. You can throw all of your stuff, you know, resell it and come out okay. <laughs> that's what uh, that's what I did. But uh, you know, it. I don't know. I'm rambling at this point, and uh, it's Monday night. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And get out there, share it, like it. The green duck call giveaway. Um, it is the sixth or the seventh. I think the 7th when this thing's going to come out. Um, I'm going to give it away by the 15th. So you have another week. Get out there. Jump on BTBN's page. Share, like, follow. Do all the normal stuff. Check the picture. Make sure you comment. Done. Tag some buddies. Get some extra entries into that thing. And I'll give it away. Hope you guys have a good week. Thanks.